Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 1 as we continue on uh, in the coming weeks uh, and stepping into a new section here. Uh, and I've entitled it A Prayer to Know, or A Prayer to More Deeply Know. Uh, and this is the first part in a multiple part section as we prayed for uh, in relation to uh, the church in Ephesus. I'll begin by reading um, the beginning of our text this morning, and uh, that'll be verse 17, uh, but then uh, we'll be uh, actually going throughout the Word of God to take a look uh, at uh, what God has for us in relation to showing us that He wants to be known. Um, So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So we here we have Paul once again acknowledging the glory of God the Father, uh, the glory of Jesus Christ, uh, and the, the glory of the Spirit, uh, which brings a spirit of wisdom and revelation, uh, not in who we are, but in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Jesus. That word... Trans-Greek literally means a fuller, clearer, more thorough knowledge of. So this is not just a theoretical knowledge of God. Uh, This is not just us knowing facts about God. Instead, this is taking it uh, to a deeper, more personal uh, level of knowledge and understanding. Um, This is not a special knowledge Uh, uh, like what uh, a Gnostic would believe is if there is special knowledge apart from God. This is a deeper, uh, more appreciative, more thankful understanding of everything that we have in Christ Jesus. Things that as we think about the context of what we've already read, um, God wants us to know him personally, not to just know him uh, as the demons know him. Uh, They know who God is, not just to know him like the rest of the world does, whether they acknowledge him or suppress the truth about him. This is the knowledge of Christ. Uh, Because what is characteristic of mankind is trying to find out more knowledge, uh, to, to want to know more about things, but not really to know very much at all. Uh, And the thing is, is that a walk with God is not just a head knowledge, it is a heart knowledge. Uh, It is a walking with God and abiding with God, Uh, something that is fuller, clearer, and more thorough in our knowledge of who we are in Christ. Uh, And the thing is, every believer needs to understand this and to see this, Uh, because there are many that fill churches uh, that have a knowledge of God, know about God, but don't really know God. Uh, And that's something that we need to see a difference in. And this is uh, not the only place that uh, this word is used here in Greek. Uh, If you look uh, and flip forward a couple chapters to chapter 4, Paul uses that exact verses 11 to 14. He says, And he gave the apostles, uh, the prophets, Uh, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That word knowledge is the same one here in chapter 1, verse 17. 
Uh, it says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So even here later in Ephesians, Paul is pointing out the importance of why we should come to uh, a better and deeper uh, knowledge of the Son of God. Because you'll notice there that it is for the purpose of equipping the saints for ministry. So part of the purpose in knowing God better and deeper and we can be equipped to do the work of the ministry, to be those that are appropriate and right ambassadors, not just representing who God is in a, you know, uh, a broad sense, but to know him personally for the building up of the body of Christ. So us knowing Christ deeper and growing in our faith in him and knowing all that we have in Christ as a result of salvation is for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain, what? A unity of faith. See, this is part of what we would consider the common commonality, what we share in Christ, what we have because of Christ uh, and that knowledge of him as the son of God so that we may mature in our faith. He says to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there is so much more that we need to see and to understand. And apart from God, giving revelation for us to see what God has done in revealing himself to us in the word of God. We are looking forward to that point where we are no longer children, as it says in verse 14. Because children are tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. See, the thing is, the Bible speaks very clearly that there are wolves. There are those that are false teachers. Uh, And if you do not know more than just a head knowledge, know about God, Know that he exists, but to know him personally, to walk with him, uh, to see him as beautiful and wonderful and glorious. See, the thing is, is that there are those that are looking to carry those who are infants in the faith away by falsehood. And see, the thing is, you need to study the word of God. You need to know and of revelation in the knowledge of him. No, Jesus did not die just for us to have salvation and that be the end of it. It's for us to grow in our walk with him so that we aren't tossed around, so that we are mature in our faith, so that we know the deeper doctrine of the word of God. Because that doctrine is not doctrine made by man, is what God has revealed to us. And that's why Paul is praying that they would have a a, a deeper knowledge of the Son of God. He also said the same thing in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. He says, And so from this day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. of bearing fruit. We are saved for the purpose of being fully pleasing to God. 
Now, who we are positionally in Jesus Christ is one who has been redeemed, someone who has been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And so when we stand before God, even if we are like the thief on the cross, the moment we step into eternity, because of Christ, we are made acceptable to God the Father because the payment for our rebellion has been paid by the blood of Christ. But for all of us that end up not stepping into eternity after making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, we are those who are going from infants spiritually looking to become mature spiritually, from children to adults to grow so that we know what the, the uh, will of God is, uh, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So in other words, the God who saved us is the God that we should seek to want to know. To, to begin to understand with our finite minds why the infinite God of all would step down out of eternity, would hang on a cross, and die for me. And see, that is part of having a, a deeper desire to want to really, truly know God. Not just factually, but experientially to walk with him and talk with him along life's narrow way as we sing. So you need to see that there is a big difference in knowing about someone and genuinely knowing them. The thing is you have relationships where you know people, but then you also have friendships where you really know someone. And you know the difference. And the thing is, is that we, as those who have been redeemed, should seek relationships uh, with others. But first and foremost, in abiding and producing fruit and knowing the will of God, because we love him now and we don't just love ourselves. A prayer to more deeply know Jesus Christ, our Savior. Well, what I want to do is spend the rest of our time this morning because there are many that don't understand the fact that God wants to be known. Um, if God did not want to be known, we would not have his word. Or he would choose to do in some other way uh, by maybe a visible representation, stepping out of eternity to show himself but the thing is, is, we can take a look at four different ways in which God shows us that he wants to be known. I'd like to start by reading a verse out of Deuteronomy chapter 29. Uh, verse 29, so it's a very easy reference to remember. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, our God. So there are things that God has not revealed to us that belong to God and God alone. We don't need to know everything to trust God. But we can trust God because he knows everything. So the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So the things that God has revealed to us that belong to us because God has given them to us for us to know who he is. And so what are some ways that God has revealed himself to us? Well, I'm going to start with one that's very basic, one that may be obvious uh, to you, but to many, it's not obvious at all. 
And that is God revealing himself through creation. I want you to turn over to Romans chapter 1, and you don't have to keep your fingers in Ephesians chapter 1. We're, we're, we're moving on to some other scriptures, but you're going to need to, to be moving around because I'm going to be sharing quite a few different scriptures with you this morning. But see, God wants to be known. And I know that because he reveals himself through the creation, that which he has made. So Romans chapter 1, I'd like to begin reading in verse 19. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Well, stop there for a moment. So you're telling me that what can be known about God is plain. That means that the ordinary person should be able to see it because it's plain. It's not hidden. It's not something that, you know, you have to go digging into ground or going to the bottom of the sea to find who God is. It says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. See, that's because God wants to be known, to show that which he has made, that he is the eternal God of all. And so he has shown it to them. Well, if God uh, can be known and he has shown the world that he exists, then why do so many people not acknowledge his existence? Because you'd think if God uh, can be known and that it's plain and that God actually showed it to them, then something is disconnecting here. Well, how does he show himself? It says in verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Now, it might seem contradictory here to say that they are invisible attributes, but they have been clearly perceived. But the thing is, is you take a look at everything that is around us. If you just even look at your own body, consider everything that is going on right now in your body. That the fact that your eyes are working so that you can take a look at the scriptures and read them. That your mind is engaging that truth so that you can begin processing that. That your, your heart is pumping in your chest. That your, your lungs are breathing in and out. Just our bodies alone should be enough to convince us that there's a creator. That, that this is not an accident. That it isn't millions of years that we've just evolved to become you know, this, you know, well, but yet find out that we are still dying from things that are outside of our control. But his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, so the fact that God holds everything together, that his power is exhibited by the fact that you were able to rise out of bed this morning. Some of you didn't want to rise out of bed this morning because you knew what you had to face when you headed out the front door. But the fact is, is God did, by his power, which is eternal, because he is eternal, rise you out of bed. It is by his eternal power that the snow fell from the sky and blew all over this area of New England last, last night. That if you were to go and look at every snowflake, that you'd never find two that are the same. See, that's the power of God his eternal power, and his divine nature. 
have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. Even going all the way back to creation itself. In the beginning, God. See, that's because God wants to be known. That God revealed himself. That God chose to create. And that everything that we look and see around us is screaming out loud that there is a creator. That there is design. That there is order. That there is function. So that they are without excuse. Those are very sobering words because that means that every person on this planet has the opportunity to know that God exists because he's revealed himself through his creation ever since the beginning, ever since he created everything in the things that have been made so that no one, no one is without excuse. No one can say, I did not know and have that be a truth statement because the creation cries out, screams out that there's a creator. The reason I know this is because look at verse 21. For although they knew God, so in other words, because God revealed himself, because God showed himself to the world, as you look at all of creation, whether you go to a microscopic level or you know, step back and look at the big picture altogether, They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So all of mankind knows God. Even an atheist knows God, but he has chosen to suppress the truth about God, that he has chose to deny the fact that there is a grand design in everything, that it is not an accident. That we did not just evolve, that, that all of a sudden I, did, I was not just born, and that was me. No, God wove me in my mother's womb because there is a creator. I'm not just biology. Also, turn to Psalm 19. It says there in verses 1 and feet of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Do you hear that language? The heavens declare the glory of God. So if you were to look at the heavens themselves, if you were to go beyond even our uh, solar system to the, the, the galaxy, all of that is declaring the glory of God, a God who is all-powerful and all-knowing, who has the ability to keep all of those things going by his power. Just think if you could go in to, you know, just say, for instance, you could go to the planet that no longer is, Pluto, and you were to dig down into the core of Pluto and find one molecule in the center of that planet. Guess what? It is there by design because the God of all is showing his glory as the creator of all things. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So every day, every night, is giving forth testimony to the fact that there is a creator God, that he does exist, and that he can be known. 
There is no speech, nor are there any words whose voice is not heard. Do you hear that? The creation is crying out. The creation is giving testimony. The creation is declaring the glory of God and his handiwork. Their measuring line goes out through all the earth and their words to the ends of the earth. In them, he has set a tent for the sun. God sent a tent for the sun. That just seems crazy to think, knowing how big our sun is. See, the thing is, that's how big our God is. So he's revealed himself through creation. Second, done the Lord Jesus Christ. That takes us to John chapter 1. This is a passage that for many will be familiar, uh, but again, it gives testimony to the fact that God wants to be known. And one of his second uh, in this list, but I would say is of preeminent importance, is the fact that Christ, the Son of God, took on flesh so that God could be known, so that he could share truth with us. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see Jesus, who is the eternal God of all, Jesus, who is God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So in other words, without Jesus, without God the Father, without the Holy Spirit, nothing would be made that was made. And so again, it gives testimony to the fact that apart from God, nothing exists, and the only reason that anything exists is because of God. In him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, Jesus came as the one who is, what? The way, the truth, the life. See, he showed us that God truly does exist. And we can see through all the things that Jesus did that were miraculous, things that even as he he pulled back the curtain so that Peter, James, and John could see his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration for a moment. Just a glimpse. If you jump down to verse 9 of that same chapter, it says, The true light... Who's the true light? Jesus Christ. He is the one who enlightens everyone. So whether by their acceptance or their rejection, Jesus is enlightening the world, telling them that I am the Son of God and I've come to seek and to save the lost, whether people believe it or not. It's a truth that God shows himself and brings light into the world, brings the truth which man does suppress And what does man try to do in order to justify his existence? He says, well, that's not my truth. He was in the world and the world was made through him. So he took on flesh. He dwelt on the the world. He, He walked amongst us. But he is also the one who made that very world that he was walking through, yet the world did not know him. So here is the Son of God taking on 
acknowledge him. They did not see him for who he is. That doesn't mean that God did not reveal himself. It means that man's eyes could not see him and did not acknowledge him as the one true God. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What powerful words that Jesus Christ came as the one full of grace and truth because God wants to be known. And he sent his son Jesus Christ to walk amongst us, to be known. His own people rejected him. But to all who did receive him, to all who saw Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the God who wants to be known, he gave the right to become children of God. So God has revealed himself through creation, through Jesus, third, through our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. See, God has put eternity in the heart of every human being, everyone that he wove in their mother's womb, which is everyone that exists. He's put eternity in their heart, enough there that they don't know everything. They don't know the beginning from the end. God has chosen to put eternity on their hearts so that they would know that this life is not just the end. So God has put his mark on his creation for them to know that they are eternal beings. He's put eternity in their heart that this cannot be the only thing doesn't mean that people don't acknowledge it, because people don't. They ignore it. We can see that even putting, uh, looking at our country today. Romans 2 speaks a little bit more clearly to this same uh, truth that God has revealed himself in our hearts. Because it says in verse 14 and following, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires. Well, wait a minute. The Gentiles don't have the law, but they do what the law requires. Well, how do they know what the law is? How can they do what it requires without them having the law? Because it's written on their hearts. Verse 15 says, They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On the day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. See, the thing is, man knows that there's right and wrong. That's testimony to the fact that God's law has been impressed upon the hearts of men. Because you can talk to people and there is a sense of what is right and wrong. And that is because God has written eternity on their hearts. God has put his law in the hearts of men. Sin 
complicates that. Selfishness complicates that. But the thing is, you have to see that this is a way in which God has revealed that he exists because he has put his very law on their hearts. God's revealed himself through his word. This takes us to 2 Peter chapter 1. This is a wonderful passage to commit to memory because it also gives us a reason why uh, we can believe uh, the word of God and why we believe the word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 16, says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. So underline, we are eyewitnesses. Verse 17, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. Underline, we ourselves heard. For holy mountain, underline, we were with him. Verse 19, and we have something more sure. So more sure than being eyewitnesses of uh, being there and hearing the very voice of God more than being there on the mountain with God. He says, we have something more sure, the prophetic word. The prophetic word of God. To which you do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, so nothing that comes here in the Word of God, is from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy the reason why I know God wants to be known, because he's revealed himself in his word. And this is God's word, not my word. This is not a compilation of Pastor Bill's favorite truths. This is the very God-breathed word of God. Something that we have for ourselves, because this is what it was speaking about, that, you know, that has been given to us and our children forever, back in Deuteronomy 29, 29. We have the very truth about Everything that God wants us to know about him, about ourselves, and what is yet to come. And that what it sets apart the Bible from every other book in the world. It's God's word. There is no prophecy, no, no jot or tittle in the word of God that was ever produced by the will of man. Paul, as one of the the main writers of the New Testament, didn't slide into their, you know, uh, extra, you know, personal to himself. Every word that was penned was by men spoken from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's God's word, not man's. So God wants to be known because he's revealed himself through creation, through Jesus, through our hearts, and through his word. And let me close this morning by sharing one last scripture with you because I think this is 
where all of this should take root is the question, do you know God or do you just know about God or are you known by God? Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. See, that's characteristic of every believer prior to Christ. did not know God because there was a time when we didn't know God, where we didn't see Jesus Christ as the Son of God, where we didn't see Jesus Christ as our Redeemer, as the only one who can save, that there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. We were enslaved to those by nature that are not gods. You'll notice that's little g, and it's plural, because there are all kinds of little g gods, gods that we make of ourselves, things that we can elevate to a status of little g god, things that we worship, things that we live for, things that we pursue. That's who we were when we did not know God. But notice what it says in verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, and I love this, or rather to be known by God. That doesn't mean that God doesn't know everything that he's created and somehow has gotten amnesia in relation to everything he's made. There's no one running around autonomously on this planet, past, present, or future. The thing is, is that this is is speaking to that special relationship through his son, Jesus Christ. But now that you have come to know God, not just as a matter of fact, but because he's come in and taken and changed your heart to know him and to love him, to see without blinders any longer that God has revealed himself through creation, through his son, Jesus Christ, in our hearts and through his word. You are known by God because you've been bought and paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the caution here that Paul gives to the church at Galatia says, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? See, the thing is, he's cautioning them not to, to go back there. He says, instead, realize who you are that you know God and are known by God. So my question for you this morning as we think about how this should inform our lives today is that do you just know about God today? Do you know God as a matter of fact? Do you know like others that they think that there is a higher being, that there may be a God that exists but aren't 100% sure? Those are those who know about a God but they really truly don't know the God of all. Because you know what? It's not just a matter of fact. God's not going to ask you when you stand before him on that day of judgment, do you know who I am? As a matter of fact. Because according to everything that we have looked at, because of creation, because of Jesus, because of what he's written on our hearts, and because of his word, whether mankind accepts any, the man knows God up here. He just suppresses that truth. But there are few that find that narrow way to know God. 
down here and to be known by God because he knows every sheep's name. He knows every name because he's never going to lose one. That every one that his son's precious blood bought and paid for, he is sealed with his spirit to bring them home. So that's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God and being known by God. The things for those that are believers that do know God in a personal way and are known by God, guess what? You are on a spiritual journey from becoming, uh, from being infants that can be tossed to and fro to those that are mature in their faith. Pointing them to Jesus Christ for saving faith, but also growing together in that unity that uh, was spoken of there in Ephesians chapter 4. The unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. That's what we are looking forward to because we want to really, truly know God. Not just as a matter of fact, not just as a dictionary definition, because he's a personal God. He's not impersonal, he's personal. The reason I know that is because he's revealed himself through creation, through his son Jesus Christ, our hearts, and the word of God. So do you know God and are known by him? I trust that's the case this morning. Gracious Father, Lord, uh, I thank you that you are wonderful, beautiful, and glorious. I'm thankful that you chose to create. I'm thankful that you chose to reveal yourself in your creation. I'm thankful that you chose to send your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to walk here on this earth to share with us the truth, to let us know that there is grace and mercy that can be had through faith and trust in him, in him alone. I thank you that your law is written on our hearts, that we have a conscience, that we we know that there is right and wrong. Lord, I ask that you give us the ability to choose to obey and to do that which is right, even as believers saved by grace through faith is still one moment away from choosing to disobey that very law for convenience or for our emotional expressed needs in a moment. So, Father, guard us. May your spirit guide us. Lord, I thank you for your word, which is timeless and true that we can study it, that we can take it in, that it can be more than just an academic exercise, that your your word is living and active, that it pierces uh, to the very core of who we are. So, Father, may we grow deeper in knowing you because we have been known by you. 
Thank you, Father, for all of these things. In Jesus.